In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We'll consider the epistle that we heard a few moments ago from 1 Peter chapter 5. I'd invite you, if you'd like, to open up your service folders and follow along with that reading during the course of the sermon. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. It gets ugly when people try to overthrow the government. David found out how that felt with his son Absalom. Absalom rallied an army in a rebellion against David's government. They started marching toward Jerusalem. David and his officials decided that they needed to evacuate the city. They began moving east toward the wilderness. And as they went along, many common citizens showed support for them. But one man named Shimei walked on a ridge beside the road and showered rocks and dirt down on David's entourage. He started calling down curses on David, saying things basically like, yeah, you better run. You bloodthirsty ex-king, you're getting just what you deserve. One of David's officials asked permission to go up there and kill Shimei. But David said, no, perhaps the Lord will look on my misery and will return something good to me in exchange for his cursing this day. You've been there with David, haven't you? Maybe not the rocks and dirt showering down on you, but you've had those feelings. You know what it is like to have strained relationships with a child or a family member, to get frustrated at someone undermining your authority, to wonder about your career path and if you still fit in it. Maybe even questioning whether or not God supports you or why he would let you suffer this public humiliation. All of that and more we call anxiety. And in this morning's epistle, you heard the best anxiety disposal system. Peter wrote, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Simon Peter also knew a lot about anxiety. He wrote in today's epistle, uh, actually he didn't write, but Mark wrote in today's gospel, they left the synagogue and went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed sick with a fever. Without delay, they told Jesus about her. Simon Peter knew about stress. He was married. Marriage is a wonderful gift from God, but it takes a lot of work. And that work also means stress. On top of that, Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And you've probably had similar feelings to what he may have felt when you look at a family member who is suffering an illness and you feel powerless to do anything for them. Or maybe Peter had feelings of resentment that his mother-in-law took up so much space in his home and so much of his wife's time. And then 
he perhaps had feelings of guilt because of having those feelings of resentment. That same Peter, later on in his life, wrote this letter where he said, cast all your anxiety on him. Now maybe Peter knew anxiety and wrote about it here because of those times that he sat in a prison cell or when he started swinging a sword in the olive grove or when he thought he saw a ghost when Jesus walked on the water or that other time when he watched Jesus sleep in a boat during a violent storm. But maybe Peter wrote this here about anxiety based on that one time that his mother-in-law was sick. Because he gives, gives us a great demonstration of how you cast that anxiety on the Lord. Look at today's gospel. It said, Without delay, they told Jesus about her. And if you want to follow Peter's example of casting anxiety on the Lord, then please, without delay, tell Jesus about your stress. Yes, he already knows it, but he wants to hear from you. And just look at what happened when Peter approached Jesus about this problem. Christ went to his mother-in-law, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. Peter's mother-in-law hardly sounds like a, a bitter, manipulative old nag. Apparently, she was the kind of woman who loved to take care of other people. So Peter could look at his life and say, I see so much proof that God cares for me. He has given me a wife and this loving mother-in-law who serves other people. I threw my anxiety on him and he fixed it. I have the privilege of teaching this letter of 1 Peter to students at Shoreland Lutheran High School. And over the last few years, discussing it with them in class has really helped me sharpen my thinking about this verse, cast all your anxiety on him. I illustrated in class by holding up my briefcase. Now that briefcase represents all of my work and stress in life. I keep my laptop in there, my cell phone, my schedule book, my wallet, and I ask the students to think of something similar, usually their backpack, something that is the grand central station of all your work in life. So think of that for yourself. Maybe it's a smartphone or a cluttered desktop or a, a marker board calendar on your kitchen wall. Whatever your item is, for me, it's that briefcase. And then I do my very best impression of a track and field discus thrower I hurl that thing across to the other side of the room, hopefully not hitting anybody. And I say, that is what God wants you to do with your worries. One sharp young lady this year pointed out, does that mean God wants us to throw away our homework? Because that's an important item in their backpack and a major source of stress in young people's lives. And maybe you worry about that too and think to yourself, well, yes, I, I could have so much less anxiety if I would just ignore my chores or if I could just discard all the jobs that people want me to do. 
Do you notice that Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him? He does not say, cast all your responsibility or all your efforts on him. And what's the difference? Well, we humans have this part in our brain that we like to go to all the time. It's this brain space where our brains are very active, but they aren't creating anything. They aren't solving any problems. They're just worrying. Let's call that your ruminating space. And it works like this. Pretend that your family and all your relatives have regular reunions at a campsite on a lake up north. And it works out well because everybody pitches in to cover the costs. But recently, some relatives have been asking if we can all start meeting at this resort in the Dells. And you don't really like that idea because it's way outside your price range. And then you know I have to see one of those relatives at Thanksgiving. And on top of all the other stress of the holidays, now I have to worry about what are they going to say. Are they going to start pressuring me to get on board with this new Dells Resort vacation plan? That's a ruminating space. Your brain is very active, not with trying to solve the problem, not with coming up with responses for that discussion, but circling around something you can't possibly control, what somebody else might say. When Peter talks about anxiety, he does not mean that your adrenaline starts pumping when you hit an icy spot on the road or a reckless driver zooms past on the interstate. Anxiety does not mean feeling nervous when your child goes missing and you have to call the police. Anxiety is not solved by ignoring your work or discarding your tasks. Cast all your anxiety on him means kick yourself out of that ruminating space. Slap down all of those thoughts about problems that you can take no action on. Slam the door on those issues that no one has asked you to solve. When you think about it, it's really kind of arrogant when we worry. It's really quite arrogant of you to think, it's up to me to stop all the bigots in the world from being racist. I would have a super inflated view of myself if I thought that it depends on me to stop all election fraud or to expose the corrupt media or to repair the deteriorating environment on our globe. This is why I want you to look back at verse 6. Before saying, cast all your anxiety on him, Peter wrote, Therefore, humble yourselves under God's powerful hand so that he may lift you up at the appointed time. If you want to cast all your anxiety on God, you have to first recognize your own limitations. Humble yourselves does not mean degrade yourself. When you demean yourself, if I talk badly about myself, I'm still discussing my favorite topic of conversation, me. Humble yourself means spend more time thinking about other people instead of yourself. 
Now, another young man in class this year made a great comment about that. He said, so you're telling me that humbling myself means thinking more about other people, and if I do that, it will actually get rid of my anxiety. And I said, yeah, that sounds about right. And he said, well, what if my anxiety already comes from thinking too much about other people? What if I'm always worried about what they might say or how they might react? My answer was very simple. You're still thinking about yourself. You're worried, what are their evaluations of me going to be? When Peter said, humble yourselves, he did not mean imagine how other people might evaluate you. He meant put yourself in their shoes. Imagine their point of view. Picture the world as best you can guess through their eyes. A funny thing happens when you do that, and I'd like to try and prove it with you by an experiment this morning. Make a mental list, maybe just two or perhaps three things that cause you the most anxiety this morning. Once you have that mental list, I want you to take a good look around this room at all the other people here today. Go ahead, look behind you, look across the aisle. Now pick out one of those faces you just saw, and you don't have to know this person at all. But take your best guess about what types of things might be on that person's anxiety list. Later on, you could ask if you guessed right. Maybe you could ask directly what they had on their anxiety list. Or you could even try doing something nice for that person based on the guess that you took. Even if you get it wrong, it will make them feel wonderful just to know that you were thinking about them. But do you notice what else happened with your anxiety list? The problems didn't go away, no. But it did take you out of that ruminating space to get curious about another person, to think about what they might be experiencing. And that's what God wants for you. He wants to lighten the load of your worries. He wants, his grace means more wor uh, less work in your life instead of more. Jesus has already done the hardest job by redeeming you. And even if God asks you to suffer here on this earth, you don't have to save yourself by your suffering. The suffering won't last forever, and God will fix whatever gets broken. Even if the worst thing possible happens to you, he will put your body back together on the last day when he raises you back to life, just as he raised Christ back to life. He promises that so beautifully in these words that Peter ended with this morning. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.